Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold have I, I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's some bold prayer right there. That's a bold statement. Like, hey, I don't have any money. Just get up and walk. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going up to someone you've known your whole life who's been in a wheelchair their whole life and just doing that? Like, that is bold. That is kind of a scary thing to do. And yet, Peter does that. Why? I don't really know his full motivations, but he realized that there was the power of Jesus Christ to do the miraculous. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam Parham. I'm the host for this show. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry that this is coming out a day late. On Sunday night, I was trying to download the file that I sent myself, and the internet just wasn't working. So uh, here we are on Tuesday releasing it, but the sermon is still great. This is week number three of our series called Seen and Unseen. This week, Pastor Nathan has taken us into a message about healing. Uh, Healing can be a a tough subject to deal with. Everybody seems to have a story of somebody they maybe prayed for that didn't get healed or they saw healing in somebody else's life that they felt like, why isn't this happening to me? And Nathan explores that in this message and I think it's gonna be super powerful for you guys. So here he is, here's week three of Seen and Unseen. Enjoy. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're brand new, welcome. I'm grateful that you are here. We're in the middle of a series called Seen and Unseen. And we're looking at the miraculous in the book of Acts and seeing the miraculous in our day. In Acts chapter 1, we saw that the miracles showed up in the world. In the first week, we learned that the miracle of the resurrection, what we just sang about Jesus Christ and what he did, was the first miracle that changed us. And we look forward to a miracle in the future. In week two, Jared talked about unity and how it may not always seem like a miracle, but that it is and that we should desire it and that our world needs unity more than ever before. And the only place it can be found is in the body of Christ through his church. And I know I was challenged to think about how I can invest in that. And I hope you were too. Today, we're gonna continue in talking about these miraculous things by talking about physical healing, miraculous physical healing. But all of this, before I get into it, boils down to this one interaction between Thomas, who was a disciple of Jesus. This miracle of resurrection happened, and Jesus showed up, and he appeared to some of his disciples, and he showed himself. And these disciples went and found everyone they could, and they're like, Jesus is alive. And Thomas was like, no, I, I don't believe until I see him for myself, right? Until I see him with my own eyes. I won't believe. So he sees Jesus and he says, I believe. And and Jesus says, you do. You see me and you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. What a powerful moment to live in. And so we're talking about the seen and the unseen, the now and the not yet. And I hope you remember in this series that miracles are essential to our faith as Christians. Before we go any farther, I want to remind you what a miracle is. A miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. It's this event that can't be explained by anything else besides God, and it shows up in our human affairs. If you have not listened to this series the first time you walked in, you're really going to want to go back to week one, listen on our podcast, or go online to get caught up. It'll It'll be great today, but it'll be even better if you go back. We talked about miracles in general, but today we're going to talk about healing 
Now, I know this can be a touchy subject, miraculous healing. Like, for sure, it's wrought with, like, crazy stuff in it. So I understand that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing. I think we should be talking about things that are difficult and touchy. So I wanted to let you know just ahead of time what we're going to be covering so that way you can be prepared for it. The first one is, why is healing, healing even necessary? Why is healing necessary? The second is, what happens when our prayers for healing go unanswered? That's a good one. And finally, should we even pray for healing? Is this something that we should even do? Ultimately, you need to know that the miraculous today, there's an expectation that it's essential to our faith. We've been in Acts this entire time, and so I want to go right back to it. We were in Acts 1, Acts 2, and now we're going to be in Acts 3. What is happening in this moment is that uh, the church has just started. Jared talked about how everyone had everything in common. There was this unity brought around by the Spirit of God. And now we're talking about what happens right after that. So this is pretty much the first miracle that we see following. And it has to do with Peter. And Peter, uh, Acts 3, verse 1. I wanted to let you know we're going to be going over a lot of verses. We're going to be camping out in Acts, and we're going to be in Romans and Isaiah. And it'll be on the screen, so I just want to let you know that ahead of time. But just listen in when you can and focus on what the Word of God says. It says this, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So this guy was set right outside of church, essentially. So imagine that there's a beggar right outside of church, and it's a really, you know, good place to put a beggar because, you know, people are going to church, essentially. It's the temple back then, so they would be in a mindset to give. And you think about it, this guy has been a beggar his whole life. We know now that he was about 40 years old, meaning 40 years he'd been lame, had to rely on other people, and waited for them to show up and give him the food or the money that he needed. Now, what does that look like for us? Well, we actually have people who beg for money in Canton at some of the corners of our roads and intersections in Detroit. There's lots of them. What happens is if you have a beggar that you know that's around, often you'll walk by them and not even notice them because they're there all of the time. They're easy to ignore, but Peter doesn't. In verse 3, he says this, So when this beggar, he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him. And John, uh, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. What an interesting little interaction. Did you catch that? He's like yelling at him, hey, can I have some money? And then Peter has to get his attention. What's happening? Well, that's his job was to ask everybody for money. And I think about this guy who's probably not looking up, who's probably dejected. He probably doesn't have great clothes or anything, and he's sitting begging, and he's kind of hunched in on himself just asking for money, so much so that Peter says, look at me. I think it's beautiful just that he's valued him as a person, like, look at me. And he's expecting to get money, but that's not what Peter does. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold have I, I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's some bold prayer right there. That's a bold statement. Like, hey, I don't have any money. Just get up and walk. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going up to someone you've known your whole life, who's been in a wheelchair their whole life, and just doing that? Like, that is bold. That is a, kind of a scary thing to do. And yet, Peter does that. Why? I don't really know his full motivations, but he realized that there was the power of Jesus Christ to do the miraculous, and he decided 
to do it. And I don't know if God told him to. I don't know any of that. But this is a bold prayer. What happens? Verse 7 and 8. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. When did the man's feet and ankles become strong? When? Instantly. That, that word in, in the uh, Greek, you know what that means? Right away. It just means instantly. I'm sorry. Just, you know, that's a trick there to get you to pay attention. But instantly, he did that. Taking by the right hand, his, instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Can you imagine seeing this guy getting up and just jumping around, walking and praising God? What kind of miracle is this? Because this man was lame from birth. The term is lame from his mother's womb, meaning he never knew how to walk. So not only are his ankles and legs strong, all of a sudden able to not just walk, but jump. What kind of miracle is this? Not only that, he never learned how to walk. He never learned how to run. He never learned how to jump because he never was able to walk in his entire life. Maybe you don't understand the perspective of that, but if you've had little children as they're learning to walk and you think about this, it just baffles the mind. Like, how did he know how to do that? This miracle is huge. Like my little daughter, she's like nine months and um, she's like standing a little bit, which is great. But when she tries to walk or tries to do something, it's pretty hilarious because she's really terrible at it. Like she's not good. I don't know. I'm hoping that changes at some point. She doesn't even know how to crawl, right? Like she can move around real fast, but she doesn't crawl. You know what does a baby do? They crawl on their hands and knees, right? Well, my daughter, because she's my daughter, just like has one leg up the whole time and she pushes off the ground like this with one leg and on the knee and the other. It's like she's on a skateboard that doesn't exist. But this man, 40 years old, all of a sudden is able to walk and jump and praise God. What kind of miracle is this? What would make you jump and praise God? What would make you go nuts? What would make you do that again? My son, he loves Paw Patrol, if you guys know what that is. Uh, he goes, chases on the case. And if you know what that is, I feel sorry for you because you have heard that over and over and over again. But every time he asks for Paw Patrol, I'll be like, can we watch Paw Patrol? And I'll be like, yeah, we can watch Paw Patrol. And he goes, woohoo! And he does a little dance. And then my other son goes, like this, right? Like he's just so excited. So what, what makes you jump and praise God? You're like, I don't jump anymore. Like, like this is not what I do but something that transforms you from the inside out. See, every miracle points us back to the goodness and mercy of God. This is what is so incredible. You know, this is why we do New Life Weekends. Do you know why we do New Life Weekends? Because we want to give you an opportunity to get excited about what God is doing in people's lives, to see their, and hear their testimonies as they say what terrible things had happened to them or who they were before and now what God has done inside of them and then jump and get excited and pray and worship that we do this because this is important for us to do, that every miracle exists to glorify God. Like, this is incredible and why we do that. Put yourself in this man's shoes. Not only, well, shoes is funny because he probably didn't have them, but like, Put it in, your, in his mindset. 40 years. That time, that meant, you know, much more close to like 67 years old, our time. Like his life was nearing the completion. And he'd been reliant on people his entire life. And now he literally has a new lease. A new lease on life where he can do things. This is incredible. And I want you to know that no matter where you're at, whether you've known Christ your entire life or you've never met him, and whether you've felt like your life has been screwed up and no matter how far you've gotten along, you can still receive new life. That this is the miracle of what 
Jesus Christ does inside of us. Okay, so what happens in Acts 3? What happens when all these people see what's going on? Acts 3, verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. That's why miracles exist, to point people back to God. Miracles point us back to the character of God, and in this case, his mercy and his love. Awe and wonder. If you have ever experienced something like that where you've seen a miracle, awe and wonder occur. And what awe and wonder turn into is glorifying God. The glory of God comes when awe and wonder hits us because it leads to it. We start to glorify him for who he is. And that's why we worship. That's why we get involved. That's why we raise our hands and clap because we have something to celebrate. So in Acts, we see this incredible moment of powerful healing. It's almost the very first miracle that the church experienced. So let's answer our questions. Why is healing necessary? Why is healing even necessary? I might be asking a question where you're like, well, healing is necessary because we're sick. And that's right. Healing is necessary because sickness exists. But sickness exists because creation and the world around us is broken. And creation is broken because we chose our own way and we disobeyed God. And when we disobeyed God, we broke our bodies and our souls and creation. Everything broke in this moment. We started to act as the way we weren't created. So when we disobeyed God, we broke ourselves. And so why we look back to the miracle of Jesus, why that miracle matters more than anything else, why all of Christianity rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ is because in that moment, he allowed us to be healed, our souls to come back to life. It means the healing of our spirits and the healing of our bodies. Isaiah 53, four through five talks about Jesus. And he says this, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, the disobedience. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. There was a payment for the brokenness in our lives, for the sin we had committed. And we had new life in Jesus. But Matthew who wrote a biography of Jesus, refers back to this prophecy. And he does it and said, this is was said so that the prophets, it could be fulfilled. He was saying, what was said here, this is being fulfilled in Jesus. And you know what he was referring to? When Jesus cast out demons and healed people physically. There is this promise that our spirits and our bodies will be made whole in the miracle of the resurrection. Jesus paid for our disobedience so our souls could be healed. That is the now. That is what we can experience, what you can experience right now. And Jesus destroyed the power of death and sickness, but that is being fulfilled in the not yet. That's what's going to happen in the future when all of the brokenness in creation has been remade. And so we look back to the miracle of the resurrection and at what it means for us now as we look forward to the renewal of all things. Romans 8 18 talks about this. I think it's super important for us to read this. This is another letter 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. What's happening in this moment is he's saying that glory will be revealed in us, that we will be transformed, and that creation, which is broken, is waiting for it. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Did you catch that? The hope? See, God's desire is to destroy decay forever. God's desire is not just for our hearts to be remade, but for our bodies to be remade and the world around us to be remade. That is his desire, for decay to be destroyed. Incredible. And when we see miracles now, it's, it's about the future. So in the future, it's done. It's, it's almost like this. It's almost like when we see a miraculous healing right now, it's like a movie trailer, right? The movie's already written. The movie's already done. You can't watch it right now. It's coming. But the trailer is now. It's like you get a little taste of it, so you get excited. A miraculous healing is like anticipating what will happen, that one day everything will be remade. But it's actually more than that. It's more than that. Miraculous healings now are down payments to the final healing then. Do you understand? Did you catch that? So when you make a down payment, you're, you're paying part of it already so that you can get it later. And it's not like God has to make down payments because he doesn't have the money or anything like that. But he's giving us a bit of it now and so that we can see what's happening later. The healings now reflect what he's going to do then when he makes everything new. That's why I can barely get through that song in the middle where it talks about that. Do you see him? Do you see him? King of heaven, champion of all creation. This idea of him coming back to make things new, I can't get through it because my hope is that he comes and makes all things new and the miraculous now, oh man, it's a down payment. It's something that increases the anticipation of what God will bring. And so I pray that we see more and more of God move in this miraculous way in physical healing. But the hard part is this. We don't live there right now. We're not in the not yet. We're in the, the already. We're in the now. And the now is frustrating and hard. Back to Romans. He continues on in verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who are, have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. You get it? We have the down payment of what will be, and yet we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. Have you ever eagerly waited for something? Maybe it is adoption. Maybe it's that wedding you've been planning for three years, because apparently that's how long it takes to plan a wedding nowadays, is like three years. Maybe you're waiting to get into college or just simply the text back from someone that you love. Maybe you're like me and love packages in the mail. There's these levels of eagerly awaiting and anticipation that almost increase the goodness of what's to come. But we are waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies, but it doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's hard. 
Sometimes we wait eagerly for God just to relieve the pain, and we can't even think about the fact that someday death will be arrested completely, and there'll be no more aches, no more pains, no more worry, no more cancer, no more hurts. We can't even think about that. And yet, Romans says, we wait eagerly for it. Do you wait eagerly for it? So what happens when we do pray for healing and it goes unanswered? What happens when we pray for healing and it goes unanswered? I'll tell you, um, when I was a younger man, uh, around you know, 20, um, I was in the church, thank God, and I had heard about healing, and so I started to pray for an entire year, every single day, that I would be able to pray for someone and they would be healed, that I wanted the gift of healing, and I started praying for it. I figured, hey, this is a good one to pray for. I'm going to pray for it. I want to see it. Not only that, I actually like did research and learned and tried to make sure I was doing it the right way, or, and, and not in a way to like force it to happen, but I wanted to make sure I could do everything I could do to make sure it was good. I was on a prayer team, and I prayed for people. I laid hands on them. I asked for healing with confidence. But guess what? After a year, I didn't see anything, and I was angry, and I was bitter. In fact, I actually saw people right next to me pray for someone, and they get healed, and it let me frust- left me like frustrated because I was so wrapped up in it. I, I couldn't see the miracle for what it was. Now, here is this healing right next to me. Praise God that he's moving and he's doing something, and I missed that every healing, every healing is a miracle, and every miracle points us to the character and glory of God. So what happens when our prayers for healing go unanswered? I know for some of you, you've prayed those and they've gone unanswered. But this happens a lot. Recently, we lost two of our members to cancer in this church. And both of them have been fighting for years. And both of them would tell you that they had a miracle, that they had a miracle and that they were able to continue to live and breathe that length of time because they had a miracle early on. These stories of bringing healing, what should have been months turned into years, but ultimately cancer did take them home to be with Jesus. And I think about that as they talk to them. What is miraculous and what isn't? Is another day living a miracle? Another week? Another month? Another year? When does it stop being a miracle, and when does it start? And as I think about it, I think every moment is precious. Every moment for someone with their children and with their family is precious. I think all of it is a miracle. And then I, then I think about this whole idea. I'm like, okay, so cancer's done for good, but someday we all die. And they call it dying of what? They die of audience participation, natural or old age, right? Right? Do you guys know that's not a thing? Like you don't just like natural causes, like your heart stops or your lungs stop breathe, like you, you stop having air, something fails, decay gets you. But you know there's nothing natural about it? There's nothing natural about death according to God's original plan and his future plan. That death is not natural. And we all know this. Something about us when we stand by the edge of a great side rebels against death. Because it's not what God wants for us. Sin and sickness and death are not supposed to be the end. And so I think about what is a miracle. I think every moment is precious. Every moment is good. But what if you pray and you never feel like a miracle happens? What, you know, what if you're never healed? Even if I'm not healed, I have learned 
that God uses even the tragic for his purposes. Romans, the same chapter, the same frame of mind, as he's talking through it, he explains it this way. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even in this tension, we know that God is going to get the glory. Paul wrote this, and I know Paul. Paul's great. You know, he experienced miracle early in his life, like he was blind and then he could see. It's really, really powerful. But then he prayed for a miracle. This is Paul. This is the one, like most people, all they read is Paul. Like, that's all they read. Like, they love Paul. Like, so much Paul, 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 Paul. Like, right? Like, he wrote, like, so much has impacted us. This is Paul. And he said, I prayed to the Lord that he would remove this thorn in my flesh. And it wasn't like a thorn, like a splinter. He, we don't know what it was, but he's referring to the, what most think a physical malady. Something that hounded him to the day that he died. And yet, God didn't take it away. Well, if not for Paul, then who? But what he said is he resolved that it was meant, that it meant that it wasn't taken away, that he would always have to rely on Christ. And he said that God's power became more perfect in Paul's weakness. So God uses even the tragic. He even uses the things that are hard. And in Thessalonians, a letter to the Thessalonians, we hear to give thanks in every circumstance because even sickness can be used to draw us close to Christ. So it brings me to the question, should we even pray for healing? Should we put ourselves in this difficult position? During that year of prayer, um, and a, not a church or anything, I met a person that we'll call Steve Courier. Steve Courier is not his name, but that's what we're going to call him. <laughs> if your name is Steve Courier, I'm not talking about you. I guess that could be somebody's name. But uh, his father was an alcoholic for 30 years, didn't know Christ at all, and we prayed for him. Um, I talked to him about it. I prayed for him and then left and didn't think much about it, not expecting too much, but anxious to see God move as I prayed for other people. And that year of praying for the gift of healing, it had this effect of drawing close to God and relying on him and breaking down some of the motivations that I had that weren't good. Uh, but a couple years later, two to be exact, I was in a church across the state and I moved away from college where I met this guy and, and was across the state in a different city. And a man walked into uh, the church, and we started to chat after church, and he uh, said his name was David Courier. Uh, and he said that two years ago, he had accepted Christ. And after 30 years of drinking, he was able to qu quit drinking cold turkey the same day without any effects, ill effects, which is a physical impossibility. Now, this is incredible to me, and I'm starting to listen, and, you know, it's two years later with this one chance encounter, and I'm like, wait a minute, that name? And I said, uh, with a sneaking suspicion, I, I said, you wouldn't happen to have a son, uh, would you? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, what's your son's name? And he goes, Steve. And I, like, lost it. Like, in that moment, like, everything narrowed down where I realized, here's the guy that I prayed would receive Christ in his heart in that very year he did, and now he's standing right in front of me, and he's like, I'm here because I love the church and I want to be involved. But the mercy of God was revealed to me in this moment. But here's the thing. I didn't realize this to, like, Preparing for this message, what you may have already caught, I had another realization that I had prayed for his salvation, but also that he would be cured of his alcoholism. And David was healed during that year I was praying for the gift of healing. And it happened, I believe, in that moment. Why did it take it so long for me to put it together? He went on to be a crucial part of the church. 
when we baptized him and he shared his testimony, I didn't remember. I didn't remember when he loved on people. I didn't remember when that boy, that son, came to visit at church, walked in, saw me, and lost it, came up and held me. We didn't even talk for like the first 10 minutes because we were celebrating how good God was and how big he was. There's so many moments where I didn't put that together. And only now, looking back, can I see what happened. How many miracles will only be revealed to us when we're in the not yet standing with Jesus looking back? Don't look at your circumstances to tell you what's actually going on. I'm so grateful that God gave me a peek into what happened. So should we even pray for healing? Yes. But not just because I say so. Not just because the Bible is full of examples over and over again of praying for people, both the miraculous, like we just read about where someone was healed, but also as they just say, hey, I'm praying for you in your stomach. I'm praying for you in this. I'm praying for you in that. And then we even look in James, James 5, 14, when he's instructing them on how to be a good church person, like how to be in the church, how to be in unity with each other. And he says in verse 14, is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. In the name of the Lord, it's expected that we would pray. It's expected that we would do this. Healing comes is not for us. to How the healing comes is not for us to decide, but it is for us to ask and to ask with faith. We are called to ask God for healing and faith and rely on him to show up not just to see it happen, but because it is a good posture for us to be in. We must ask together and pray together. It puts us into a place where we're reliant on Christ to intercede. It puts us in a place where we have to see him show up. Do you know that as a Christian, it's a good place for you to be in where the only way that something could happen is if God shows up? Someone told me this, and I hated it. I hated this line. I still hate it. He says this. He goes, if you're never disappointed by God, you're not asking big enough things of him. And I was like, I don't like you right now. Like, <laughs> why? And you might be feeling the same, but not funny. But and like, in a, I don't like that you're telling me to pray for healing. Do you know how long I've prayed for healing? And yet this is what God calls us to do, to live in this place like Paul and be reliant on him, to be like Peter, to be like the people we see we love who are reliant on God. So in this tension, we have faith. And that's what it means. Not to always be in control of what happens, but to trust and believe that God can do anything. So how should we pray? How should we pray? This is what I've learned over years. Pray with expectation. Pray with expectation. Put yourself in the place where God has to show up. Without apology, without caveats, without excuses, pray Ask in the name of Jesus Christ, just like Peter did, to be healed. Be direct and be specific. Pray in reliance on God's sovereignty, not our deservedness. Let me say it another way. We are not healed based on our deservedness, but based on God's goodness. Do you understand? I need you to know that because some people think that their miracle didn't happen because they didn't earn it. Pray knowing that no matter what, you will grow closer to God because you are relying on Him. Pray knowing that no matter what happens, God will be glorified. And finally, pray big, hairy, audacious prayers. A few years later, David Courier, 
who's been in our church for a while now, came into our office. And uh, he said, men, I need to talk to you. This man had the deepest, most sonorous voice I've ever heard in my life. It's like he could read the McDonald's menu and I'd be like enraptured by it. And he said, Ben, and I need to talk to you. And so we stopped what we were doing and sit down. We could tell that was really serious. And he starts to unlay or, or lay out what's just happened to him. He goes, guys, I found out that I have cirrhosis of the liver and it's really bad. That the scar tissue on my liver is overtaken it and that it won't heal ever. That my 30 years of drinking before knowing Christ are catching up to me and my liver is failing. He had found out that he needed a new liver or he would be dead in three years. There were only two options. You get a new liver or you will die, according to his doctor. And on top of that, he had some other complications that were right now that had to be addressed, specifically that he had seven esophageal varices, which is just means that because his liver was failing, the pressure and the backup from that and it not doing its job was causing pressure on his uh, system and the veins in his throat were getting like engorged and there were areas of it that were about to burst open and he would die from internal bleeding without even knowing it. It would just burst in his throat and he'd bleed out and he wouldn't even know until it was too late and so they had to do something. So he went into surgery and they had to band him and what that means is they just wrap those things up and hope they don't burst. But they didn't know how many were in there. They think there are at least seven that we can see, but we have to go in there. We have to do it now. And so he went into surgery. He woke from the surgery and asked the, the nurse next to him and said, how many did you have to band? The tech said, come back tomorrow. We need to run more tests, which is never a good sign. He came back in and he took more tests, including an MRE, if you know what that is. And he came back the next day. And he walked into the office where he was going to meet with his doctor, and his doctor was already there. I have never had a doctor waiting on me when I go to. <laughs> and instantly he knew something was wrong. And this doctor, she wasn't looking at him. She was looking at the computer screen and click, 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 click. And at this point, he has no idea what's happening. He says, um, a doctor, and she just, one second. And so he now, he's, he's kind of freaking out just a little bit. He doesn't know what's going on. She turns around, looks at him, and says, David... We didn't band any of the varices in your esophagus because they're all gone. But that concerned us because we haven't ever seen that happen and we thought that there was something else going on and so that's why we took all of your tests. And I've been up all night. We rushed them and I'm up all night looking at your tests and poring over medical journals because we found something. And he said, what? What'd you find? He said, the cirrhosis on your liver is going away. Your liver is healing itself, and that has never happened. It's impossible, and we don't know what's going on with you. David said he looked her in the face and smiled and said, I have a big God. This is powerful, this moment that I've let this has happened. You have the three people who clapped. <laughs> See, David had been praying for God to do big things, and he saw it happen. He said he wanted God to renew his body as he had already renewed his soul. It's beautiful. But you know what? What happened to David wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. David had spent 30 years not just being an alcoholic, but making decisions as an alcoholic. 
He had hurt his family. He had messed things up in his life. He had done damage to his body. He had 30 years before he knew Christ where he beat it and abused his own self and hurt the people around him. And now it was catching up to him. The damage to his body was going to kill him. Why should he get a miracle? Why should he? When there are so many other people who feel, look more deserving, who haven't heard a flea in their whole entire life, who've done everything right, who are dying and they don't get the miracle. It's not fair. But you know what else isn't fair? What's not fair is that Jesus died for me. And Jesus died for you. You didn't deserve it. Bible says there's no righteous people, not even one, that we're all broken and messed up and that Jesus, the Son of God, after we chose to do things our own way and screwed everything up and hurt people, decided, no, I'm going to take this on me and I'm going to bear your wounds, I'm going to pay your debt. That's not fair. Yeah, that's the kind of God we have. Someone who loves us. Who loves us. The miracle of healing shows us that he loves us and shows a world that needs to know his character. And so we have to celebrate it because when we're celebrating that, we're celebrating the preview to the healing that will come, the healing that will be. And when Jesus returns, everything changes. Everything in a moment changes and there's no more pain and suffering. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna pray big prayers and we're gonna pray hard. And we're going to rest in whatever God says or does, knowing ultimately that the not yet will soon be here and there will be no more suffering. I believe in James and what he told us to do. After the service today, I'm going to be down here with some of the pastors. We'll have other members of the prayer team as well. But if you're struggling with and needing healing, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you and put my faith with you and ask God to show up. I encourage you to do that. There's some people in the room right now that they don't know Jesus and they haven't embraced this miracle of resurrection and all that means for them. And they were in Acts, the same people were there and they had this miracle and all of a sudden everybody's showing up to see this man that they all recognize. They're in awe and wonder. And you remember how I said that awe and wonder and amazement, they lead to glory? Why don't you stand with me as we finish and I read to you what happens next. While the man held on to Peter and John, which I think is because he was so tired from jumping and running, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And maybe you're here today and you're believing in miracles for the first time and you're running to this place to hear the message that this is you. And when Peter saw this, He said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. He handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released instead. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, 
this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and in the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that the times of refreshing may come for the Lord, that the Messiah would be sent. For you today that don't know Jesus Christ, haven't committed your life to follow him, today is the day to embrace that miracle and to see that our bodies someday will be healed, but our hearts and our souls can be healed now because of what Jesus did on the cross in his resurrection. So I ask you to pray with me as we finish. And if you want to make this decision to follow him, that you would pray with me, that you would re repeat out loud or in your heart these words. Make this your conversation with the God who loves you. God, I am broken, body and soul. I need someone to heal me. I need someone to pay for me. And I believe Jesus, he was bruised and killed for me. He paid my debt and he wanted to give me new life. And so today I choose that new life by following him. I turn away from the past and turn towards Jesus. And I pray that you would transform me from the inside out and that I would walk and jump and leap and praise God because I have found a miracle which means life now and life eternal. Thank you. Thank you, God, that I didn't deserve it, and yet you love me. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcan.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.